have you given any thoughts to twists, themes, anything like that? Are you speculating? I'm speculating, man. For a while at home, I thought it was going to be Survivor Classic. You know, take away the idols, take away the island, the exile islands, and the swaps and the vote steals and all that jazz, and make us play a Borneo-esque game. I think the theme for this season is beauty, brains, and bronze. Just by looking at people... Getting a sense of like who people are, I think I think that might be it. I mean, obviously, like there's a lot of hot guys this season, so <laughs> so that's good. That's really good. Maybe it's like gamer strategists or super fans against people that aren't so much super fans. I'm not supposed to tell you anything about the theme, but this is Survivor Cat Island, so this is gonna be this is gonna be difficult. Dogs versus Trouble cats versus Trouble. you know Exile Island. I think who knows if it's gonna be in this season. That is the biggest game changer of them all. It's a risk reward type deal, and there's a pun intended on that because you go out there in seasons past. There's been a high likelihood you could come back with an idol, and those idols are big time. What is Ghost Island? What Ghost Island is, is the graveyard for bad survivor decisions. Survivor is a game in its history. There's a lot of bad decisions that have been made over the course of the show. And so some of these decisions can come back and they've haunted players throughout the history of the show. And these bad decisions have a presence on this season. Is that vague enough for you? Every memorable, historic, bad decision on Survivor, they've been living those decisions out on Ghost Island. They're haunted. And they've been waiting for a chance to mess with you again. This year, that's what's going to happen. And the question will be, can you reverse the curse? Or is this thing truly hexed forever? And are you going to be its next victim and another resident of Ghost Island? I think for a survivor geek, it is almost a spooky playground. If that makes any sense. That's a good hashtag. Yeah, spooky playground. Early front runner. <laughs> yeah, okay. For The Hollywood Reporter, in collaboration with Rob Has a Podcast, I'm Josh Wiggler. This is First One Out, Ghost Zero. Chapter One, The Spooky Playground. June 4th, 2017, late at night. Picture purple-gray in the ocean, in the sky. Dark water smashes on pale sand. A flame provides faint light from deep within the jungle, dancing beneath instruments of death, supplying heat in more ways than one. There's something wicked in the air, judging eyes everywhere. This is a sacred place. This is a cursed place. It stands just across the sea from Manariki, in the Mamanuka Islands chain in Fiji, Ghost Island. Some say it appeared overnight, fully formed, birthed in an instant from the ocean and fog. Others swear it's been there forever, its eternal flame flickering with heat like an ever-beating heart, wounded whispers whipping through the wind, licking through the trees. Beyond the harsh breeze, harsh words etched into rock. One bad decision can haunt you forever. This menacing mantra exists all over Ghost Island, if not in words, then in deeds. In virtually every corner, in nearly every nook and cranny, veritable shrines stand in tribute to terrible mistakes made over nearly two decades of survivor lore. Small, smiling statues live in the shadows, sometimes appearing without warning. 
Necklaces, once worn by proud warriors and unlikely champions alike, adorned spears spewing forth from the ground, like so many stalagmites. And like so many stalactites, survivor death descends from the ceiling of the lone, lonely shelter at the heart of Ghost Island, in the form of the more than 30 torch snuffers that have extinguished the flames of virtually every loser in survivor history, pulled from Jeff Probst's own personal collection. Over the course of the next 39 days, 20 castaways will fight tirelessly for the million-dollar prize and the title of sole survivor. All but one will fail in this quest. In three days, one castaway will fail first, becoming the first one out of Survivor Ghost Island. Another person will make a different kind of Survivor history, becoming the first one out to Ghost Island banished to the graveyard of bad survivor decisions. A place where they can rise anew from fallen ashes, or a place where they might end up digging a grave of their own. Before we move forward any further, let's start with some basics for any newcomers who have accidentally wandered into this world and are wondering what the heck they've gotten themselves into. What is Ghost Island, really? More on that soon. Let's start simpler. What is Survivor? It's a reality show, and it's been around for nearly two decades, but at its core, it's much more. In April of 2017, I asked Survivor showrunner, executive producer, and host with the most, Jeff Probst, to explain the nature of the show for those encountering it for the first time. Survivor is this amazing experiment where you take a group of people and you, for all intents and purposes, abandon them in the middle of nowhere. Obviously, it's a TV show, so we're watching. But the idea is that they're going to create their own society where they have to build a shelter, make fire, catch fish, all of those things. And on top of that is this complicated social game of every week you have to get rid of someone based on any reason you want. You don't like them or you like them too much. And at the end, who's ever left makes their plea to their jury, the people they voted out, saying, here's why I deserve the million dollar prize because I played the best game. So what, why I call it an experiment is that it's different every single time, and yet it's the same, you're using the same data, the same criteria, you're just getting a different result. And it, you have to work together and vote each other out. And it's really complicated and, and incredibly fascinating. And if you're just watching it for the first time, you will think it's just as interesting as if you had been watching it for 17 years. That's one of the great things, is that it's, it's kind of evergreen, the concept, and because it's usually a new cast every season, you could hop in in season 35 without having seen 1 through 34, and you're, you're going to be fine. You'll be able to catch up immediately. Yeah, you don't need to know the history of the game. It's fun. It's fun, but you actually don't need it because the players do a pretty good job of telling you what's going on. And it's things like, okay, I'm a little nervous. I don't trust Josh but he's my only alliance partner and I'm not sure what to do and I have this advantage and this advantage gives me the power to blank. You're caught up pretty quickly. And if you've watched for a long time, like most of our fans have, then you have this Rolodex of history of saying, don't do this, do that. Remember when he did this, it didn't work so well. That's got a curse on it, don't do that. It just gets bigger and bigger, which is why a lot of new fans 
watch a season and they go, okay, I got to go back in the library and start watching everything. Most seasons can be watched without any prior knowledge of Survivor lore, but for this next season, it really helps if you have gone back in the library, as Probst suggests. That's because the theme for season 36 stands on the shoulders of more than 500 episodes worth of history, swirling together to form the mysterious entity known as Ghost Island. This is Survivor Ghost Island, yeah. is this season. Yeah. What does that even mean? Well, if we're going to be vague, let's just talk about the fact that Survivor is a game in its history. You know, we're talking 35 seasons in, in the books. Um, that has, There's a lot of bad decisions that have been made over the course of the show. And so some of these decisions can come back and they've haunted players throughout the history of the show. And there's somewhat of a um, presence. These, these bad decisions have a presence on this season. Is that vague enough for you? So Ghost Island involves survivor like things that have haunted survivor in the past yeah and there's also some things that are just reminders i'm going to speak in very vague terms because i don't want to give anything away but there's reminders and i think for a survivor geek uh it is almost a spooky playground um if that makes any sense it's a good hashtag yeah spooky playground early front runner (laughs) yeah okay that's executive producer matt van wagner one of the creative minds responsible for bringing ghost island to life he speaks about this so-called spooky playground in vague terms, and he's not alone on that front. To a person, the members of the Survivor Brain Trust are keeping the exact details of what awaits players on Ghost Island close to the vest, even from the press. Here's what they're willing to confess. Ghost Island is a new location and game element that's functionally similar to Exile Island, which first appeared on Survivor during the 10th season and became much more prominent during the show's teens. Much like Exile Island, Ghost Island isolates players from the rest of the cast and provides these inhabitants with an opportunity to gain power in the game. Unlike Exile Island, which featured an art design based on the given season's theme, Ghost Island is the theme. The sprawling island in the middle of the Fijian Sea is both visually and thematically tied to Survivor's own history, covered in actual memorabilia from seasons past or relics, as the Survivor team likes to call them. Do you like the term relic? I do like the term relic. I've been using artifacts, but I'm good to, to switch to relic. It's funny, we, there's been a lot of discussions like how we... Because it's, it's the, a fine line between cheesiness and um, gravitas, and I think that relic was the right word for this. And we, but that's kind of like how this whole... You know, is we, we, we tend to, with our ideas, and like this one especially, big giant paintbrush on what this could be. And we had some ideas that were a little, a little out there that, you know, who knows how that would have gone. Here's how it's going to go, as far as we currently know. In three days, one of the season's 20 players will find him or herself stranded on Ghost Island, faced with an enigmatic obstacle in an enigmatic place, and the opportunity to seize control over one of Survivor's many relics. Remember the two massive immunity idols James Clement had in his possession when he was voted out of Survivor China? They might be on Ghost Island. Remember the immunity necklace Andrea Belke was wearing on her way out the door in Survivor Karamoan? It might be on Ghost Island too. Or maybe it's back at one of the tribe's camps, and only the clue to finding the necklace is somewhere on Ghost Island. The specifics of the individual relics, as well as the where, when, how, and how often these relics will be found, are all deliberately up in the air. The question of how often is probably the one that sounds the most alarms. 
certainly at the time that Ghost Island enters production, only a couple of weeks removed from the airing of the Survivor Game Changers finale. In that episode, at the final six tribal council, the legendary Sari Fields was cast out of the 34th season of the show without a single vote to her name, thanks to the other five players achieving immunity through three idols, an immunity necklace, and a legacy advantage. It's an event known as Advantage Geddon in some circles. And within those circles, it's at least as divisive as a Michael Bay movie. Within himself, Prost feels no such division when it comes to advantages in Survivor and the relics awaiting players through the existence of Ghost Island. Let's turn to the man himself for more on what Ghost Island represents thematically, how the relics of Survivor lore were brought back into the mix, and why he's not worried about an overabundance of advantages in the game. Thematically, Ghost Island is the graveyard for every bad decision that's been made on Survivor. Obviously, that is a fictional sense of humor idea. It's just this notion that we've played Survivor long enough that let's all just pretend that every bad decision, and there have been a lot of them, they've all been hovering, sort of haunting on this place, Ghost Island. And now Ghost Island's ready to have some fun. So let's play. From a gameplay point of view, there's a few different things. One, Ghost Island is somewhere that people will, will be exiled and you're away from social politics and that can sometimes be good and sometimes be bad. It depends where you are in the game. And also at times, Ghost Island might be in a playful mood and might challenge you to a game of chance. And if you're willing to wager something of value, it will put up something of equal value that could give you power in the game. So now you get the gameplay element. And on top of all of that, all the idols or advantages that are in the game are actual idols or advantages from previous seasons that were misplayed. Not replicas, the actual item. So if it was played 10 years ago, we found it and you we tracked have it down. It. We tracked it down and we have it. How hard was that to like wrestle some of these, you know, memorabilia away from some of these people? Yeah, that turned out to be its own adventure for sure and a fun game. And so now imagine being a super fan and you find an advantage. You're already excited. You peel it open and then you realize, oh my gosh, this is, I remember I was 12 years old. I was on the couch when this happened. And then back to the sense of humor, the note will tell you, here's who had it. Here's what they did with it. Here's how it cost them the million dollars. And the question is, is it forever hexed or can you reverse the curse? So it's a fun game. You can look at it and say, I don't believe in curses. This is ridiculous. It's an idol. I'm going to use it. Okay, good. Good luck. And I hope you do. Some people may look at it and go, man, this was misplayed last time. I don't want to misplay it again. And it might get in their head. It doesn't matter to us. It still has whatever power it says it does. It's up to you whether you want to believe in the fun of Ghost Island. You're keeping the specifics of what these uh, relics are close to the chest. Yes, because that's the fun. Is Well, it's a ghost story. It's there not so go. much fun and, and if, if you know what ghost is about to pop. Thank you. Yes. So when somebody opens one, you'll go, oh, it's that. And I think that'll be a big, just a little Easter egg for somebody. So without getting into the specifics of them then... Um, because, there, man, there have been a lot of idols. There's now been a bunch of advantages as well. You know, all sorts of different relics that you could be calling upon. 
What was the process of like coming up with a list? Was there like an elite tier, like a must have tier, like a that would be nice tier? Like how did all that come together? Yeah, well you just hit on it really. We had a list of every really big move we could think of. And then the first thing we did is, which are the ones we'd love to have? And we kind of went through the list and we started realizing, okay, we need, for this to work, we need X amount of idols and we need X amount of advantages. And we have a pretty good idea of how many idols typically get played in a season and advantages. And then it was, okay, of this list, which ones can we actually find? And there are some that we don't know where they are. There were some on our list that we would love to have. No idea. Couldn't track down through an auction. Couldn't track down through uh, putting it out to the Survivor fans. Just couldn't find it. And there are other idols that were left on the beach somewhere. Somebody was voted out and they buried it. We have no idea where they buried it. But we managed to come up with a pretty good group. And I got to say, that was a great day when we finally, pieces started coming in. And when we finally realized, oh my gosh, we have enough. We have an arsenal. It's going to work. Um, relics is a broad term. Um, could fake idols be found on Ghost Island and could they have new power? Uh, yes, but let me clarify one thing because this is clearly not clear. Not everything will be found on Ghost Island. Okay. You might end up finding an idol or, or an advantage on Ghost Island, but you might also find it at camp. Got it. Um, absolutely. A, a really memorable fake idol would be a great item. Yeah, like an effing stick could be pretty fun. If we knew where the effing stick was, that would be awesome. Okay. I think that would be a lot of fun. That would be really fun. Um, you know, in, in zombie lore, yes. when someone dies, they'll come back as a zombie and they're new. They're different. They're, yeah. they're going to rip your guts out. Yeah. They have new powers, so to speak. Yeah. Um, just for example, like... You, you have, let's say, Andrea's idol, just to use an idol. Right. Um, could it come back with new powers it in, might. in Ghost yeah. Island? Yeah, it might. Depends how it was used and what the gods felt about it. That's really what it comes down it to. It really does. Very those cool. gods, those survivor gods. And even the way you're smiling, this is why I am so enamored with the idea of Ghost Island, is that we're long enough in our show where we have a relationship with the audience where we can go, oh, and by the way, we created a thing called Ghost Island. <laughs> and you can laugh at it. I laugh at it. But we're doing it. It exists in the realm between, like, a little bit kitschy yeah. and gravitas. Yes. 100%. And that's a great way, a great uh, way of defining how we imagine the personality of Ghost Island. It's lippy. Ghost Island is not mean or nice. It's just lippy. So yes, come. I hope you have a good stay. Another big theme of the season is decisions. There is a sign at Ghost Island that says, one bad decision can haunt you. Forever. Forever. Yes. And that's not a short period of time. Yes. So what, tell me a bit about that theme. Well, that was really the thematic sentence for the season. Is This, this season is going to center around the idea that you can play an almost perfect game and one bad decision and it's over. And you just saw it in Survivor Game Changers. Culpepper played a great game and he made one bad decision. He took Sarah instead of taking Ty and he, he cost himself a million dollars. So that's the idea. 
one bad decision. And to really make it fun, you're going to be playing with idols and advantages that represent the one bad decision from previous players. They were just like you, in the game, had power. Game in their hands, and they blew it. And now they're a memory instead of a winner. We, uh, we're on day two right now. Uh, day one happened yesterday. Without uh, talking about the outcome of what happened yesterday, can you set up what the opening was for this season? Because it really did hone in on this idea of decision-making. Yeah, for the opening, we wanted to try to capture this idea of how important and also how hard it is to make the right decision under pressure. So we developed a really simple challenge that put all the pressure on the person responsible for making decisions. So it wasn't so much if you were a good puzzle solver or a good runner, it was the person in charge of making the decision of how much faith he had in you for being a good puzzle solver or good decision maker. And then we just kept adding stakes to it. So every time you contemplated A or B, you were risking C, D, E, and F. And it worked out really well. We had a really cool contrast of leaders, contrast of leadership style, and a result that I'm sure went back to camp and people talked about. Um, by the time people are reading this or listening to this, um, season 35 has wrapped. Um, one of the things that I know from being out there on season 35 was one of your opening twists was that there was another legacy advantage, but it had an expiration date. It had to be played at that first tribal council. If it doesn't get played at that first tribal council, whoever has it can you know keep it in their pocket. Like They can have it as a bluff for later on down the line. What I'm interested in is the expiration date. Is that something that's coming across to Ghost Island, especially with something where uh, a big part of the season is relics from the past? And potentially that's a lot of stuff that you could have in the game. Are you flirting with the idea of expiration dates for the relics this season? I think uh, the idea of an expiration date is quite likely because what's fun about it is it forces a move right now. It might not be, mean you get to the end, but it means you have an opportunity to make a decision right now and you could impact the game or get cold feet and not make a decision. It's up to you, but it has no power tomorrow, which doesn't mean that somebody wouldn't have an advantage, not play it, know it's powerless, but try to front, oh, it still has does have power. So there are a lot of ways you can play with that. And something else that we played with in 35 was the idea of secrets, secrets within the game, which is also something else that might find its way into uh, Survivor Ghost Island. Cool. Secrets between players. Nice. Um, another thing, I mean, we're speaking you know, a week or so after Game Changers wrapped. Uh, Advantage Geddon, as it has been lovingly, mm. and for some people, unlovingly referred to in the fan community because of, you know, poor Siri. Yeah. Um, but that was a case of a lot of idols being found early and being, you know, held on to very conservatively yeah. and being, you know, played until the very end. Certainly it's an explosive television moment. Sucks to see a legend like Siri go know. that way, although there's also the argument that Think about how every single time you've taken out Sari, it has taken magic. You know, it has taken magic to get rid of Sari every single time. It's true. It's a really um, good point. Was that part of the impetus for expiration dates? Was that part no. of the thinking? Not at all. No. I, I have no problem. I mean, this won't surprise people who hate me. Uh, I thought the Sari Tribal Council, not only was it fantastic, it fulfilled the promise of the poster survivor game changers you need for that season to really resonate you need a reservoir dog moment where everybody has their guns out a fijian standoff yes and 
we didn't know it would come about this way, but you hit on it. The fact that Ty had two idols and decided to play both of them at a final six when he could have guaranteed himself a spot at the final five, nobody would have bet money on that ever. And the second he did that, it it changed everything. And I'm standing there going, oh my God. Oh, and I couldn't even keep up with the math at first because now she plays her legacy, Brad's safe, here comes Troy's in. That's one, two, three, four, five. Sari. I'm so sorry. But no, I did not go home and go, oh, we blew it, guys. I went home and went, wow, the survivor gods were looking out for us because that's what you want. Yeah, I don't even mean, did you blow it, really. Okay. I, what I mean more is, you want those things to, you want those guns to go off. It would be yes. nice to have that moment, and in addition to that moment, that some idols got shot off earlier, and certainly there were a few. Well, yeah, but, you know, it, it's, there's some people that just approach the world greedy. If you want that, then go write that mm -hmm. and watch that scripted show. This is a real living game. Sometimes it's every episode. Sometimes it's five episodes before something happens. But if you're in, you're in. And honestly, when, when I run into people who say, I just wish that, I think, eh, well, you know, keep wishing. I'm gonna keep walking, moving forward. And I'll see you at the end. Because it just doesn't make any sense. Those were great players. They were risky. They held onto their things. It blew up at the end. It will probably never happen again. Yeah. I mean, that was 34 seasons to get to that. Same number of idols. Same. It's just they played them all at once. Yeah. Just to rewind the clock for a moment. Did you catch what Probst said about fake idols? Let's hear it again, quickly. If we knew where the effing stick was, that would be awesome. Okay. I think that would be a lot of fun. That would be really fun. The effing stick, for anyone who needs a quick refresher, was a fake immunity idol created in Survivor Micronesia by Ozzy Luth, discovered by Jason Siska, and played by Eliza Orlins moments before her demise in the game. Calling it a fake idol is obscenely generous. It really was just an effing stick. And as it happens... Survivor knows exactly what happened to that effing stick. Do you have any, like, fake idols from the past coming back? Like, will, will Jason Siska's stick be something you can find on God, Ghost wouldn't, Island? Wouldn't that be... Well, I can tell you, you can find Jason Siska's stick on my desk at my office. You know, I, that is something that I... So I, it was I, potentially I eligible to be floated back in because people brought their stuff back. Once again, that's executive producer Matt Van Wagnen, who has been hanging on to the effing stick for a number of years now. So it certainly sounds to me like Ozzy's Arts and Crafts project's going to be coming back with haunting new life this season. Here's more of my conversation with Van Wagnon to help further clarify what we're getting into this season with Ghost Island as a theme and as a game mechanism. Well, I, you know, of course, I still at this point don't want to give you too much information, but I wanted to, we, we our intention was, you know, to make it kind of this um, reminder that decisions carry weight in this game. And with all of that, all of these things uh, involve decisions. I mean, for instance, you know, they're going to be sleeping underneath uh, the snuffers, you know, the historic snuffers that have, have, you know, have pushed over 500 people out of the game. And there is this always this reminder that you're that close to getting voted out. You're that close to Jeff looking you in the eye and saying, the tribe has spoken. So there is, we, I, we want it to have kind of a, uh, a, a looming feeling of, of dread 
and the, and peril, um, and that's kind of the haunting aspect. But we also want some people to have an experience that can be a little bit charging, like you charge your batteries there, where you use all these things to inspire you. Um, you know, I, I think we also you know want it to be something that the survivor fan can totally geek out on. Uh, you know, I, I think you can speak to it. I, Visually, it's it's impressive and it's amazing to have this kind of this this feeling of history. I mean, it's, I don't. We got, almost every single snuffer is there. Yeah, it's just about. I think I counted thirty. Yeah, and we, you know, we we couldn't have. I don't think you couldn't have done Ghost Island in season eighteen. You know, the fact that we're going to season thirty six and there is such history and such a rich history, um, you, you we we can pull it off now. Um, so I I think it's going to be a place. I think for some people, uh, it's a little. I know you're a big fan of Lost, um, and I think it does have that kind of uh, uh, dark and light side to it. And I'll be curious who goes there and what kind of an experience they have. Um, so, you know, Jeff has already said that this is a season where let's see if you can reverse the curse. Right. The implication there is that idols and relics from the past are back in circulation for Survivor this season. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I mean, that that's the general idea. There are going to be uh, idols that have been misplayed um, or not played at all. There's going to be advantages that were misplayed um, or not played at all. There's going to be, you're going to be seeing the return of some bad decisions. And the question is, can you play it correctly? Can you trust your gut at the right time? Can you make the right move from a strategic standpoint? And, you know, I, I, it'll be curious if some people have, you know, holding out, if they're holding an idol that costs someone the game, do they look at that as, hey, maybe there's some bad juju in this? Or, um, or hey, no, I don't believe in it at all and I'm going to win because of this thing. It, it, it's going to be, you know, we say that we like to have the players kind of have their own game and create their own rules. And I think with Ghost Island, it's going to be the same thing. They're going to be able to, with these relics, um, take the game in the direction they want to. Can you say anything about how people get to Ghost Island? I mean, in Exile, you're banished there. Like a winner, a winning tribe sends a loser, you know, someone from the losing tribe there. Or if it's Redemption Island, you get voted out, you're on Redemption Island. How do you get to Ghost Island? Well, I won't tell you this specifically for uh, how it is for the entire season, but I can tell you um, the first one. Um, at the first immunity challenge, there will be a winning tribe and a losing tribe, and the winning tribe will pick someone from the losing tribe to go to Ghost Island. Now, that's good news and bad news for them. It's bad news because they're away from their tribe. They'll have to go to Ghost Island and see what encounters them there. But it's good news because they don't uh, have to go to tribal council. Um, of course, then they don't have any say in who gets voted out. Um, and I think it could have some interesting results as far as the vote is concerned. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to figure it out from a, a tribe standpoint who I would want to send. You know, my gut is if I'm playing, I'd send someone who I think is the weak link and who's probably most likely holding this tribe back. Um, that way it kind of uh, it, it might hamstring them a little bit. But the, the truth is, is usually in situations like this, the players never do what I think they're going to do. And that's what makes it interesting. Um, with the season being about all of these different relics from the past now being in play, um, in terms of the, the having that in conjunction with Ghost Island, is Ghost Island the spot where you get these things? Can you say anything about like the idol mechanism this season? Wouldn't that be great if I could tell you? You can't say anything about the idol mechanism this year. No, uh, I don't think we're actually going. You know, we're not. We're not getting into, into detail. Okay. How do you like the idea of like the? the I'm just curious. As we're yeah. Um, you, 
do you like the idea of people getting we haven't we never did that with exile and i think that that's a twist on it that someone goes and suddenly they're not involved in the vote um i think it's a fun way of doing it i think it, it throws a wrench in people's plans yeah i love that i think that that's the way to go i mean that way someone is banished and that's you've probably screwed the losing tribe even a little bit more than they were already screwed especially if you can pick that right like if there was just somebody who was a dud at the challenge yeah that's good that would be the that would be the general feeling that you would have i can't wait because i'll probably be standing somewhere near you and we will look at each other when all of a sudden they pick the person who you know was the leader right. or you know they'll do something they always do something different um idols again another idol question because mm -hmm. there this is a huge part of the season mm -hmm. um ideally that means that there's going to be a lot of these relics that are going to come into play uh, how do you get it to a point where there aren't like too many of them in play at the same time, or you're making sure that they're all getting airtime. How do you, is there any way to, to prepare for something like that? You know, that? we can just look historically how many idols have, have, have been played, and we're prepared for, uh, we are prepared for any amount of idols um, being played. I mean, we have plans for, we always have plans for everything. You know, our gut is that we feel good about having enough to cover what like a, a high idol play season would be. Um, you know, it's funny. There's, it's interesting. You never know how fans take things. There were there were some people who didn't love uh, when Sri uh, advantage getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When 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 she was voted out because there was no one to uh, to no one else to vote for. Right. And people said, ah, oh, that's it. There's just too many idols in this game. Well, those were idols that had been found way early on. You I mean, think the issue is less about how many idols were in play and more about the way that they were conservatively held? Yeah, which I think, you know, especially, I mean, was Troyzan ever really in trouble? Maybe a couple times here and there, but like the fact that Ty held on to him, the fact that Sarah got the legacy advantage and was able to use it correctly, and the fact that she got it in the first place was impressive. So, you know, there's something to be said about it. And I, I think a lot of it also is. The per in a situation like that, it, it all depends on the person who goes. I think that fans, most fans love Sari and seeing her go hurt. But I also think, you know, she said to go out in that fashion for a legend like her, you know, she, she never goes out in a standard way. There's always something tricky with Sari. Um, it's the only way you can take her out. Um, I still think it was, it was an amazing thing to watch. Well, so we're talking about that like two weeks removed from that episode. When this is coming out, it's the most recent season is 35, and I was out there for 35, so mm -hmm. I know at the very least that that first legacy advantage was an immunity idol that gets played with an expiration date, mm -hmm. uh, gets played, you have one shot to use it, mm -hmm. and it has to go off. The bomb has to go off, mm -hmm. or you get to hold on to it, and mm -hmm. you can use it as a bluff. Um, what did you guys learn from having expiration dates on idols and advantages? And is that something you imagine will continue in the future? Well, it, it we're definitely something that is in our mind. I, you know, the fact that you're guaranteed to get it played is something that's interesting because, you know, sometimes also just to track, to track something that someone finds early on and then have to, like, it rears its ugly head at the end. Um, I mean, really, it's mo that kind of, that kind of thing is just a continuing evolution from the legacy advantage, you know? And I think that the idea of being able to send something uh, to another tribe when you don't know and you're rolling the dice, I think that's an interesting concept to see what kind of relationships can be formed. We're always tweaking things. You know, Jeff is, one of, one of the great things about Jeff is how tenacious he is and how he's always looking to keep the players guessing. Um, and we, we talk about this a lot, is how we can, we can evolve it tweak it 
and change it just enough to keep it interesting and to keep it fresh, not just for the players, but for the audience. Two towering totems stand guard at the mouth of Ghost Island, reminiscent of the statues found on Easter Island and remnants of the survivor gods, depending on how seriously you believe in the war. The statues flank a rope bridge, like fangs on either side of a wooden tongue. Past the bridge, the jungle, and instant immersion in survivor history. A multi-headed totem watches over the right-hand side of the initial path, with one of its faces bearing an eerie resemblance to a certain Pearl Island's pirate. A few paces further inland, and your definition of a pace may vary, the path branches off into multiple directions. Go forward, and you're in the camp of Ghost Island. Turn left, and you'll embark on a roundabout rocky road that still leads to the camp. Turn right, and you'll face slightly less harsh terrain. All of these ways hold access to shrines built in tribute to survivor history, with actual immunity idols and necklaces from previous seasons on full display. These items are not in play, at least not at the outset, if ever, but they help give Ghost Island its spooky playground chic. Spookier still, what can't be seen, at least not yet. There are rumors of something lurking at the summit of Ghost Island though it has yet to manifest at this nascent stage of the season. The full breadth of Ghost Island will make itself known in the 39 days ahead, to the point that the island itself, much like the game, is evolving. Ah, there's that familiar purr. June 7th, 2017, late at night. The first tribal council of Survivor Ghost Island ended mere moments ago, and this terrible temple remains as unsettling as ever. More so than usual, even. Gone are the railroad tracks and any other reminders of the Fijian sugarcane trade. This place, it's almost alien, jagged and filled with fire. A wise man once referred to tribal council as theater, and that idea has taken on new life this season, as mythological masks adorn the open-air arena. Faces loom large at this tribal council, both happy and sad, angry too, furious even in the case of the voting booth, which is less a voting booth and more a sentient being, a massive monster with fire in its eyes, its mouth open wide. Inside those jaws of death, players will cast their votes all season long. Better write fast. You never know when this demonic force will choose to gnash its teeth. For more on the design of Tribal Council, and more on the design of Ghost Island, we turn to an old friend, Dax Poynton, one of the Survivor Art Department's many masterminds, and the dreamer of this particular hellscape. So Dax, where are we right now? Uh, we're in... A tribal council for uh, Ghost Island. Uh, pretty, pretty scary place. A uh, place you don't want to be if you're in the if you're in the show. So, with Ghost Island being the theme of this season, uh, it's kind of an enigmatic. Nobody really knows exactly what that means until you're in the belly of it, kind of thing. 
What were your first thoughts when you heard Ghost Island creatively? Like, what did you want to turn this into? Uh, it's it's a pretty long story. Je- Jeff's Jeff's had this uh, this idea for many seasons, but it's just taken a really long time for it to come to fruition. And uh, it was very mysterious journey for us. So uh, it's it's kind of good we've kept the mystery about it for the contestants. Um, but we're hoping that it's coming across as like this mysterious place that you know no one really knows what goes on there. Is it a, a real thing? It, what happens? Uh, is it alive? Is it you know bad magic going on? Or you know what I mean? It's got this kind of uh, you know like a magical vibe to it. Yeah. In terms of creating Ghost Island itself, it's covered in Survivor history, uh, which is so cool to see. How did you guys organize all of that? How did you guys get all of that together? I mean, there's mm-hmm. true, you know, it, these there's are- logistics there. And it's not all just, it's not even replicas of, of this stuff. This, no. is, this is the genuine article that yeah, you guys Yeah, this found. is the real deal. Um, well, fortunately, since the get-go, we, we've we've had people interested in, you know, you know, getting these uh, items and, you know, at auctions or, one way or another Jeff always has the snuffers you know Mark Burnett you know gets the original necklace so these things we knew where they were we just had to work out a way we could get hold of them Um, and it was important that that we use the originals because obviously they do have you know the survivor magic attached to them so that was a big part of it and there were some that we tried to track down that we knew that would make great story but we just couldn't find them so the ones are legit we know it's going to be, you know, make that little bit extra um, magic for the, the contestant that gets hold of them or sees them or, you know, if you go to Ghost Island and, you know, you become part of uh, the items that are there. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. So uh, we've been allowed to see a lot of Ghost Island, but not all of Ghost Island, mm-hmm. which is a cool concept and makes me feel like Ghost Island, even as the season has started, is still somewhat alive for you guys. Is that a proper notion to have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys saw it um, at its bare bones, but like we haven't seen the summit yet. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So y- you've seen the like the circuit and the uh, the bare bones of it, where the shelter is and stuff like that. But there's something else that's alive in there. There's a there's mysteries and uh, game plays and twists and things that go on there that you know you guys have no idea about yet and the contestants don't know either which is pretty exciting yeah when we're looking at like this guy right here Mm -hmm. this amazing schnoz and and facial construction uh how do you like how did you envision this character because he's he's all over ghost island and clearly he's all over tribal too what did what were your ideas about this well this i this i kind of felt like uh you know there's like island cultures that have been around for millennial you know people don't know how old the easter island cultures are and you know i mean there's a lot of mystery along with these statues that you know uh, who built them? Where did they come from? That kind of thing. So that brings a mystery to our tribal as well. And so this guy, he's he's based around the Easter Island uh, heads, um, basically. But we, you know, I, I changed the design somewhat so it was easy to build. Uh, gave it a, a new texture, a new like wooden survivor texture, uh, and and made it 
our own you know what I mean so we've got the feeling of an old culture of an old um, civilization if you will that was here but it's all made up it's all it's our survivor spin on it which is which is cool it's the, the first time we've really been able to branch out and 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 do our own thing so it's been really exciting yeah I mean one of the things that's great about your job is you're really creating universes you know I yeah. think that's something we talked about uh, mm-hmm. on 35 yeah, we did, yeah. but but this time I mean like you're really creating mm-hmm. you know it's leaning on a mythology that exists in the form of survivor history but you're really giving life to this idea of survivor history yeah and uh, that I mean Jeff's a big driving force on that where he he gave us this idea and this uh this feel about it, it is a history. I mean, we're looking at so many years of, of survival. We have that to fall back on now. So all we did is we just kind of extended it a little bit and made it that, you know, this history is, it could be much, much longer and greater, broader than we know. And survivors just tacked on to the end of it. You know, there's these survivor gods if you will, of, of that are overlooking this whole gameplay and, you know, the items that are here are real, they've got powers, uh, positive or negative or anything like that. So that's the kind of background vibes that we were trying to get out of it and so that the items that we've put into Tribal Council, all these carvings and masks and these sort of things, it's trying to just help keep that alive and, and, and give that feeling to the contestants so that's the universe we're building this time to the to the masks to the point of the masks some of them are happy some of them are sad some Mm -hmm. of them are laughing at you is that part of it it's like this represents all the range of emotions that you get out of survivor yeah it's a little bit shakespearean in a way where you know you see the the sad mask and the and the happy mask you know it's a pantomime if you will like you know, there's drama going on, there's having, yeah, I mean, that's what Tribal Council is. People walked in tonight and they looked around and they had this big smile on their face by looking at what, what they're moving, they're coming into, but <laughs> the person who got voted out certainly wasn't smiling. So it's just this weird, you know, happiness and sadness and it, it, it's all he, here together. So that's why that's the way they are. So I'm glad you picked up on it. Actually. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. Pretty funny. So the, the voting booth is this huge face that you're entering with these giant flaming eyes is it like the idea of you're being swallowed up by survivor yeah a little bit and that the you know the 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 survivor god or the you know however we want to think of it ghost island dude is is looking at you watching your every move you know his eyes are on fire you 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 literally walk into his mouth and you're at his whim kind of thing you know so we wanted it to be awesome, huge. Um, I mean, I think that's, I mean, we, I say this every every season, but I think that is the tallest uh, vote, vote, we've, we've vote, vote structure we've ever done. So it's been super cool. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, just, it's haunting. Yeah, it is. And that's uh, appropriate. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, you know, part, part of it was we wanted this this whole universe to be kind of ominous and scary but but in a in a way that it brings the, the the child out in everyone because it has to be fun even though it is this sort of thing so ghost island has this kind of um discovery about it and this excitement of seeing these things and trial council with this it's it's almost like you're at a survivor theme park or something you know we kind of had that you know broad uh 
you know, expanse what we could draw upon. You know, anything goes on this one, which was so fun, so fun. This season at Tribal Council, when you go to vote, you literally get swallowed alive yeah. by the survivor god. Yeah. How awesome is this Tribal Council? Um, well, you know, we've been lucky to have some pretty amazing artists on our show from day one. What's unique about this tribal is this is the first time we've created our own fictional world. We've based things on shipwrecks or other cultures. Ghost Island doesn't exist except on this season of Survivor. So I know from our art department perspective, Dax and Muzzin, all the guys that Ian, all the guys that put this thing together, I'm leaving out like 38 people Sure, sure, now. sure. Um, when Dax designed Tribal Council, it was based on an idea, Ghost Island, and then it comes to life, and you'll see on the show, it literally came to life. That voting confessional is alive. I'm looking at eyes that are burning with fire. All of that's created in our department. I mean, it's it's mind-blowing to me, Josh. It really is. It's a You just said you walk into the mouth of, what'd you call it? The Survivor God. The Survivor God, yes. And Ghost Island itself may be cooler than Tribal which is hard to imagine because tribal is pretty cool. In three days, someone will walk into the mouth of the survivor god and become its first meal of the season. The first one out of Survivor Ghost Island. We'll spend much of the rest of this series getting to know the candidates for that sad distinction, beginning now with an overview of the season's 20 castaways. This season, unlike several recent seasons, the players are not divided into two tribes based on any theme. It's very simply Malolo in orange and Naviti in purple. Easy enough, right? Well, it's as easy as it gets with any tribe name on Survivor anyway. If you spend the first few weeks of the season bum-puzzledly referring to them as Monono and Nativi, you are forgiven. As a group, there are two general items worth mentioning now. First, whether or not they were entirely successful across the board, Survivor aimed to cast people who are not only well-versed in the show's history and game, but are big fans of the show. In many cases, mission obviously accomplished. In other cases, you can be the judge. This is, uh, you know, a cast of 20 people for Ghost Island, new, new players again. Um, given the theme of the season, how, how important was it to track down fans? You had to make sure that fans are here, otherwise is this gonna go over their heads, this concept of the season? Massively important. And that was, the, that was really the only criteria, was they have to be super fans, or they have to have a really good knowledge of the game. Right. They don't have to be super fans, but. The ability uh, to absorb it at the very least. Yeah, and, and that was fun. That's who I prefer. I prefer people that know how to play Survivor. I'm not one of the ones that, said, that thinks it's interesting to have somebody who doesn't get the game. It does make for interesting gameplay, and sometimes we do that, but just personally, I'd rather play with players every season. That would be my choice. Here's the other thing worth knowing about the Ghost Islanders. They are young, very young, jarringly so, in my opinion. If you removed, let's say, Dominic from the cast, just as an example, and plugged me into the cast, I would be one of the six oldest people on this cast wow. of Ghost Island. Yeah. So it's a young cast. It is. Um, can you talk about that decision? Because that's fairly rare. Yeah, that was really just, 
it's kind of like if you took a whiteboard and you wrote the list of priorities down from top to bottom. Number one is they, number one and one A is they have to be really compelling storytellers and they have to be super fans. And underneath that would be age, occupation, uh, geography, demographic stuff. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I say this often out here, but it's one thing to want the world and then it's another to have to make the decisions about what is actually here. And so these are our 20 best people and they're younger than normal and they're better look, I mean, they're a more attractive cast than, than normal. They're very nice to look at. Yeah. Okay. If that part wasn't by design, I think fans know that. Otherwise we would just cast models and bartenders all the time. Right. But I like this group a lot. I don't think the audience is gonna be disappointed with our choices of storytellers. Young cast, intentionally populated with fans of the show. Got it? Good. Let's meet the Ghost Islanders by working our way backward through the decades, starting with our elders, which is a really crummy way of introducing two people in their early 40s, but that's the way the cast breaks down. First up is also first overall in first name alphabetical order, the Naviti tribe's Angela Perkins, an out-and-out badass with over 20 years of experience in the army. Survivor isn't war, but Angela still sees danger ahead. It is dangerous because you are, so to speak, um, fighting for your life. Like you're coming out for a reason. You have a goal, just like we have a goal when we go to war. We train to fight to win a war. Well, same thing essentially here. I've trained, I'm going to fight, and I'm going to win. <laughs> you're going to war in a different context. Absolutely. The second oldest contestant of the season, at a positively geriatric 41 years old, is physical education teacher Brendan Shapiro of the Malolo tribe, someone who has been dreaming about playing Survivor for at least 15 years. For me, this has been a long time coming. I first applied for Survivor 4 back in 2001, I guess it was. Wow. And back in those days when they had the semi-final final interviews, I, I made it to a semi-final interview, um, but I'm somewhat unconventional in that for people of my age in that I had I was married and had a kid by the time I was 25 so wow. I got the sense that that really wasn't what they were looking for out of their 25 year olds you know I think they they wanted like uh, the, the the swinging bachelor so I remember coming home and uh and I told my wife way back then I told her if they're still making the show and I'm 40 I think I got a shot Brendan never made it out to the Marquesa but he has the opportunity to meet a Boston Rob type out here in Fiji all the same the Naviti tribe's Dominic Abati, 38 years old, a construction worker from Long Island, exuding Boston Rob vibes, according to pregame assessments from the other players. Tony Vlacos and one other castaway are some of the other names mentioned in connection with Dominic. He certainly has one thing in common with those players, a willingness and an eagerness to lie, cheat, and steal his way to the top. When they first asked me to come out, I wasn't sure that my video really represented what I wanted to bring to the game. But I guess they saw a somewhat devious side, and I guess they found it creative that a father of three, who loves his children and does everything in his life to protect his children, is willing to ruin the lives of somebody else's children. Which is pretty much what is, you know, if all goes according to plan, will happen. 
So uh, I think that might be a, a unique characteristic that's not always seen in the game. Because, like I said, I, I, I'm a soft, loving father, but I, I'm a cold-hearted bitch, too. Next up, yoga instructor Stephanie Johnson of the Malolo tribe, 34 years old. As with the three aforementioned castaways, Stephanie has children, and she gives them credit for what she's about to unleash this season. There are no boundaries. I checked my real life at the door, and I will tell these people they're my friends, they're like the little sister, little brother, you know, best friend I never had, and that's not true. My little brother's at home, my best friend, like I said, is drinking Bloody Marys right now. These aren't, these aren't my people. I, I'll do anything it takes. And, you know, I was talking to my, I do have two children, and so I was very aware of how that would be perceived, and, and my kids are huge Survivor fans. We've been watching the past couple years. And, you know, I just hypothetically asked them one day, you know, if you're on the show, what would your strategy be? And, and is, hey, what, do you, what do you think about lying? And, and you know, my eight-year-old said, I think if you're on there, you have to lie to them before they lie to you. And I said, absolutely. That gave me permission to go out here and play the most reckless, fun game that I could. And, you know, I, I made sure to follow it up with, well, do we lie at home? <laughs> <laughs> do we lie to mom? And right. it was, no, no. And I was like, all right, good. Were well, they telling the truth, line. though, or were they playing Survivor in that <laughs> this moment? This is true. You don't know. This is true. Well, you know, being their mom, I can tell there you when go. they lie. <laughs> You've got their tells. Got I, their tells. I, I can tell when they lie. There are two other players in their 30s this season. But first, let's shift gears and get something out of the way. There are also two Stephanies this season. The aforementioned Stephanie Johnson and the newly mentioned Stephanie Gonzalez, a big fan of the show, understandably awestruck as she steps into the Survivor experience. Are you a big Survivor fan? I am. Survivor is one of those things. It's like, I've never done drugs, but I imagine like this is what probably drugs feels like when you're going into sneaking into the bathroom trying to not wake up your dog and you're pulling up the CBS All Access and you're clicking and it's like, oh my God, I have to watch another... Before you know it, it's like what turned into finishing the um, episode um, just went for four hours and you just watched how many seasons or how many episodes? <laughs> You've just binged like an you just half binged, a season exactly. at least. Exactly, and now it's six o'clock in the morning, you gotta get up and go to work. How to differentiate between the two Stephanies, especially since they're both starting on Malolo? For now, they'll get the full name treatment from me until the show tells us otherwise. Back to the 30s. At 33 years old, furniture builder Wendell Holland of the Naviti tribe is the fifth oldest player in the Ghost Island cast, and he enters the game with a secret. I went to UPenn Law, it's like a top 10 law school. Don't want people to know that I have a, like a real head on my shoulders or that I can be strategic or anything like that. I want to be the nice, friendly guy that can build stuff. I'm a furniture builder. Next up, Wendell's tribe mate Kellen Bechtel who enters Survivor with a catchphrase. Empathy is my superpower. Entering her 31st year on planet Earth, having just gone through some very significant life changes, Kellen is now living out the Survivor superfan's dream. I'm a huge fan of Survivor, the show, and I love watching it. I love following the community, and I'm just so grateful to have made it this far. And if I hadn't gone through that last crazy year, I sure as hell wouldn't be sitting here. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Did that push you to apply? So I actually, I, this was my second time applying. I had applied the year before, um, kind of before, right before all of the things started to go crazy. And... Um, then I applied a year later, and because my life was so different, I wonder if that's what yeah, triggered maybe. the interest. I don't think that I would have, you know, I didn't get a call back the first time I applied, so 
um, it's life is about you know experiencing it while you're living it and that's what's the most beautiful part and why I love Survivor is that it just takes everyone down to the bare bones and you just have to experience everything and live in everything so presently and um, you know you find yourself in the present you can find God in the present and I think being in the present moment survivor just does that it forces people to be in the present moment and i think it's a super cool thing so i'm really excited kellen mentions finding god in the present as we move out of the 30s and into the 20s where most of the rest of the cast resides we move on to the malolo tribes libby vincheck who has already found god hailing from houston texas libby frequently speaks about her faith and how it will fuel her in the days ahead what brought you to Survivor? I'd like to say God because I am not a super fan. I didn't grow up thinking this is going to be a goal. This is a dream of mine. Um, it kind of fell into my lap whenever I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then here came this opportunity and it just kind of happened, you know, just one day, one step kept getting me closer and closer to this and I feel like I've been preparing my whole life for it and I didn't even know it. Libby has traveled far and wide in her life due to work. Meanwhile, her tribe mate Donathan Hurley, hailing from eastern Kentucky, is embarking on his first ever trip outside the country as he steps into Survivor. A heck of a way to break out of your comfort zone. A diehard fan of the show, Donathan has little trouble reciting Survivor history and even less trouble conjuring the name of his least favorite Survivor player ever. Who don't you like? Like, what kind of Survivor game are you Oh, I got like, one. Give me the one. Coton. Okay. I don't like Coton because he had one opportunity to really show people what it's like to... He did have his moment where he's about to fire and cried, you know, and it's kind of t- heart-touching, but he had a job to do for people to represent me the way I was, and he had a, such a black cloud over a uh, gay Southern... So I'm kind of here to bring the white light. I want to be a light for people that are growing up, you know, even from a young age to even if the rotor is still in the closet, to, you know, just break free and live life. It, so, it's life short. So you feel a responsibility, like yeah, a social responsibility I'm definitely like a, a, a leader, in a sense, for that community. And that's exactly why I'm here. I would like to share my story of how I've grew up since age of 13, being out and gay and then being able to cheer and dance in a very conservative place, you know, shaking my ass in front of all the conservatives and stuff. And How did they react to that? Were they cool? Jaws were on the floor at first. <laughs> but then after a while, they had come around to it. And it, and that's another thing. You know, I, I, I did change minds for some people. They, you know, come to accept me. And that was one of the biggest rewards out of all of it. Back on the Naviti side of the line, there's Chelsea Townsend, who very easily could have been on all three of the Heroes versus Healers versus Hustlers tribes based on how she describes her work life. So tell me, what do you do? Um, I am an EMT and a medical assistant. So I did EMT for a while. Right now I'm a medical assistant for an orthopedic surgeon. Um, So I work in his clinic. I also am a professional cheerleader. So you do both? I do both. That's a lot. Yes, it is. So you like to be busy? (laughs) I love to be busy. I love to take advantage of opportunities and, and learn and try new things. So I always keep myself way too busy. Still on Naviti Beach, there's Bradley Cleek, whose name I'm most assuredly botching, presently a law student with an eye towards sailing the world. He is a super fan, if not a wiggle room fan. 
Yeah, there's no hiding that I'm a super fan. Cool. Uh, so you would classify yourself as a super fan? Absolutely. Of this show. Yeah. Uh, I'll admit to you, I don't read or what. Do you have a podcast? I don't know. I'm on RHAP. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, because Stephen and Rob always talk about you, and that's about as that's all right. Familiar with you as I that's am. That's okay. Well, I know I'm, who you are. Well, now I will feel unrestrained and just shit talking you when there you're you go. terrible Give out it to there. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Over at Malolo, there's Laurel Johnson, a super duper fan. Deeply versed in all things Rob has a podcast, perhaps to her own detriment. So you listen to podcasts, you read stuff yes. online, that's how deep of a, of a survivor yes. nerd you are? Yeah. Tell me about it. Well, I've been listening to uh, the podcast all the time out here. I've had nothing to do with <laughs> but listen to podcasts and read. So, you know, I listen to all the podcasts, I watch the show, and then listen to, what, like 10 hours of podcasts about it after the one-hour show. So I feel like I know everything there is to know. Hopefully it doesn't hurt me. I feel like I could overthink things and put a little too much thought into it. Yeah. But I feel like I, I have all the knowledge that I need to win the game. Another super-duper fan on Malolo Beach, and perhaps already a recognizable name if you're really inside the Survivor rabbit hole. Jacob Derwin, a musician and sometimes Survivor blogger, whose fears about the adventure ahead quite frankly mirror how I would feel in his shoes. Are you worried about the challenge stuff? Always, man. Have you have you uh, have you like been like working out and stuff like I, getting prepped? Between for that? between finals and now, I lost thirty pounds. I think I. I mean, I gained some at so I was talking to Dr. Joe, and he's like, I'd work on gaining some of that back. And I'm like, yes, sir, doctor's orders. <laughs> you got it. But, uh, no, I, my, I, it's weird to say I'm in the best shape of my life for this, but I am, despite me not looking nearly as nice as half these people. Most, I think all. you look fine. Thank you, sir. I, it's, just, it's just like, I mean, from, from a very, like, like, just minimal standpoint, my arms are better than they've ever been. My shoulders are better than they've ever been. I was running a mile a day at a point. My legs are better than they've ever been. My stamina, everything, pretty much every just basic physical attribute that I think I need for, especially for team challenges, um, they're better than ever. And on top of that, like, I am good at puzzles. I hate being saying that because there's going to be a puzzle and I'm going to screw it up. Yep. Um, but, you know, they, that is the curse. That's the curse. But if they give me one puzzle early on that I just rot, like, if they give me Tower of Hanoi, I don't know if they will. I think they did it once before or twice. But they give me Tower of Hanoi. I will do it in 10 seconds in front of my tribe and just, like, slam the table and walk away. <laughs> like, you can't vote me out. Look at me. Um, that said, if they give me a, a puzzle I don't know, that could be disastrous. Not everyone comes to the table with years and years of Survivor fandom under their belts. Some of them, like James Lim, landed on the show by way of a detour. Are you a fan of the show? Uh, hmm... Well, I became a fan uh, recently, but um, originally I actually have been a fan of uh, The Amazing Race for about uh, all throughout college, actually. And I finally found the, uh, the guts to apply my senior year with a good friend uh, also in Harvard Chat with me. And we got, we got cut during that process, but uh, we got far enough so that they uh, put us on the database for other shows. And I got a, uh, an email around Thanksgiving last year saying, you know, have you heard of the show Survivor? And I was like, who hasn't? And they were like, you want to be on it? And I was like, hell yes, sign me up. And hopefully this is the back door to The Amazing Race. We'll, we'll, get, you out, we'll get you there through Survivor. <laughs> I, it's happened before, so I, <laughs> hey, Phil, Phil Keegan, if you're listening, I'm still up. I'm still up. For her part, Desiree Afuye doesn't consider herself a Survivor superfan, but the Naviti tribe member has studied up and plans to enter the game with her knives all the way out. I feel like if you're coming to into Survivor with lines, you're on the wrong show. Like, you have to be on the wrong show. People that are honorable, you look at Wu. Wu went all the way to the end with Tony, who had no lines, and Tony beat him. And he chose Tony, being honorable. It's all about the game you're playing, and Survivor is not a game you play safe. You play hard, 
you play opposite of how you live you know a lot of these people are nice people when you actually meet them but on survivor i i can't be nice i can't afford to desiree's cutthroat attitude is shared by her fellow tribe mate chris noble a fashion model who lives in new york city with big dreams about how to push the game forward in terms of survivor i mean i definitely consider myself new to the game i mean i've watched you know probably 10 plus 12 seasons somewhere around there but i mean god this game's been going on so long i mean 10 to 12 seasons isn't much compared to the the true diehards which and i'm you're not, on season I'm not, 36 yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take anything away from them and and perceive myself as them i mean they there are some true diehards you know but i've watched my share though and i understand the game and i see the evolution it's exciting and I want to be that guy that adds to the evolution, you know, so there's always something new that's going to happen in this game. And uh, I like, I look at trends. I like to, uh, I like to buck the trend and, and maybe do something uh, that hasn't been done. Chris's fellow tribe mate, Sebastian Knoll, a fisherman from Florida with a little bit of Jack Sparrow swagger, wants to push the game forward as well in a physical sense. My favorite thing in life to do is spearfish. And Jeff Probst, when he talked to me personally, he said, you have the chance to be the best spear fisherman or fisherman or waterman this show's ever seen. And I'm serious. And I took that to heart. And I feel like if I can do that and, you know, make, I'm very social because of my job. If I can just quietly, even though I got a lot of look to me, if I can quietly stay behind the scenes and just kick it up a notch past Ozzy and make it past ninth place like yeah. he does every year, <laughs> yeah. I think I'll do all right. Sebastian will have some competition in terms of being the most comfortable castaway in the ocean, considering he's on a tribe with Morgan Ricky, also from Florida, a marine animal trainer who works with killer whales, a career that might come in handy in the adventure ahead. I'm not a behaviorist by any means. I'm a marine science major, but everything is based on behavior and behavior modification. So yeah, I analyze killer whale behavior and people exhibit behaviors every second of the day. So hopefully I can pick up on some of those mannerisms and maybe I can get a read on people because I do um, analyze and study behavior. Cool. Just of killer whales, Just not of killer people. Whales. You know, people are complicated figures <laughs> I'll too. I'll pull out my uh, Criminal Minds TV show that I watch. I'll learn a few things from that. So. There you go, the Criminal Minds strategy. <laughs> Morgan, Sebastian, and plenty of the other castaways are more than comfortable in the tropical environment of Fiji so far. For others, it's a work in progress, including for Jenna Bowman of the Malolo tribe, hailing from Michigan. Definitely not the most outdoorsy person. Um, so this is gonna be kind of exciting to kind of set these boundaries and set these you know goals and try to reach them and hopefully win, you know, be sole survivor. How are you feeling about the outdoors now that you're out here in Fiji? I honestly thought I'd be 10 times more scared. Like sleeping in, you know, the wilderness without having these like normal things that you're used to, these luxuries. I mean, I peed on myself yesterday. Like it's like the first time I haven't had like a toilet, you know? So I literally just tried peeing like kind of like a man and I just like completely peed on myself. So, I mean, it's going to take some getting used to, but yeah, I thought it would be a lot worse and it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I hope you can pee without peeing on yourself by the end of this that's, adventure. That's going to be the biggest goal. That's like, the second. Starting, <laughs> starting a fire is like the last, the like, first one is like not peeing all over myself. And on that note, that's everybody. Well, almost everybody. It's everybody in their 40s, 30s, and 20s. But there is another. Michael Yerger, 18 years young, entering Survivor at the same age as Will Wall of Survivor Millennials vs. Gen X. Unlike Will, 
Michael plans on lying about his age right away, which should be easy enough, considering he lies about his age all the time in his life as a realtor in Los Angeles. I obviously don't tell my age at all in, in my real life, so I, I certainly wouldn't do it in this game. You don't in your real life? What do you tell people? I, I completely avoid the subject, and if I do, I'm 23. You yeah. know? And, and that's, uh, again, bringing back to why I'm on the show. I, I believe that you know they loved the whole um, fact that I, I don't live like an 18-year-old, and then I'm coming on this show saying, hey, I'm going to lie, you know, whatever. It's that in my real day, you, you know, day-to-day life, I lie about my age, and I you know, do it well, and I've done it for a long time, so... It's going to be hard to do that now after this. That magic trick is going to go away. You know, people people are going to know who you are. Yeah, I know, and that that was kind of my only worry coming into the show. Um, But, you know, it'll... uh, Hopefully, I'll, you know, protrude the... um, you know, the the personality that I'm hoping to on the show, so everybody will see, you know, yeah, he's 18, but, you know, he doesn't act like it, and he certainly doesn't work like it, so... So it's not even a question for you. This is not something you're bringing up uh, with your Correct. fellow castaways. Yep. That's I've said it from the start, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. I'm 23 on the show. Okay, now that's everybody. All 20 members of the Survivor Ghost Island cast, good and ready for the game. Of course... None of the Ghost Islanders are ready for the sad inevitability that in three days' time, one of them will be the first one out. No one wants to be the first person voted out. If I'm on the chopping block, I will do whatever I need to. Hopefully I'm not going to be the person that like throws all the rice in the fire, but I'm not saying You're I'm not above it. I'm not above <laughs> it. No, you, no one wants to go home first. To be the first one out. Could I live with myself? Yes. Would it be all sorts of awful, like, except just one level down from that? Uh, It would be pretty, pretty big bummer to be the first one out. I think Vita said it right. Uh, It's worse than not coming in the first place because you're like so amped up. This is going to be life changing. You're going to have so much fun and it's going to be awesome. And you get to have the infamous tag of the first one out on you. Um, I think it would be so anticlimactic. It would be heartbreaking, man. That would be that would be when I start flipping tables and stuff. If I'm the first to go out, I'm flipping stuff. Like Francesca. It won't be me. And I don't even allow that to be an option in my head. Because in the universe, in some fucked up way, is going to do that to me. And I don't want it to. If it's me, I would be so disappointed in myself. I don't want to be the guy who breaks someone's dream that early. Like, even beyond me having that, you know, me, the possibility of me going home first. Just the idea of, like, that, no no vote will probably be harder for me. Worst case scenario, yeah. I can't think of anything worse than that. Yeah, I'd be pretty devastated, but I just want to make survivors good as it can be. Like, I want to do my part, golf swinging, so I hope to God it's not me, though, but I'm going to win. I'll first have probes kick me square in the balls. Then he can snuff my torch. And then I'll have a beer and salute Survivor Island. You know, I had, uh, last night I had a dream and I woke up to it and I was like, holy shit. I'm like, this is like what I'm supposed to do in life. Like, there's a reason I'm here. There's a reason they came to Port Canaveral where I work. I'm not going home the first day. I would be devastated, you know? It would be horrible. Oh, it would kill me. I I would just be so angry, but like, I, I mean, I can't even imagine. It would be pretty hard, though, because like, we have been preparing for this so long, and then all of a sudden, you're eliminated or you're voted off and you're like what did I just do all of this for you have to appreciate the game 
and you have to appreciate the players who were like, hey, you were not good enough. You have to, you know, just accept that. You should have worked harder. Yeah. You know? You have to learn to accept that. Look back on what you did wrong and then be like, Libby, you sucked. One of the 20 castaways will soon become the first one out of the game. Less severely, but still notably, one of the 20 castaways will soon become the first one out to Ghost Island. The first one to spend a night alone, swinging from the monkey bars of the proverbial spooky playground. At least, that's the official story. But there is another story. Just such a bitch. Straight fuck. My story. All right, I am at Ghost Island. There are torch snuffers that are dangling from the top of the shelter. Everywhere you look, there is an idol. There is an idol. We're going to make some fire. We expect you to deliver. I have to meet a certain level. Yes! God, the fucking light goes out so fast in Fiji. Stupid South Pacific winter. What are you doing having winter in June? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, just start dripping. Did you feel some rain? Did you just feel rain? Or is that just me? Am I just losing my mind? You're ghost zero. I don't think that I've ever been more anxious in my entire life than I am right now. Frustrated! This is my island, right? We're getting into dangerous cut your thumb off territory. Of course I say that we don't! Ah! You're actually doing I'm it. I'm giving it a shot. So here's a funny story. I'm an idiot. It was bad, it's over now, but I almost burned down Ghost Island. Moral of the story, I shouldn't play Survivor. I'm just gonna destroy this place. For The Hollywood Reporter, in collaboration with Rob Has a Podcast, I'm Josh Wiggler. And when it comes to being stranded on Ghost Island, I was the first one out. First One Out, Ghost Zero, is produced, written, and hosted by Josh Wiggler. That's me. It's a collaboration between The Hollywood Reporter and Rob as a podcast. Taryn Armstrong is our editor. He is also a robot. Ghost Drops, the theme of this podcast, is composed by Josh and Ben Wiggler, arranged by Nick Campbell, and performed by The Sun in the Room. Go to THR.com Survivor for more Ghost Island coverage. Survivor returns February 28th, and Ghost Zero concludes March 1st. This season, on First One Out. No one has been on Ghost Island. You're the first. I'm Ghost Zero. You're Ghost Zero. You'd be like, dude, you're hot. You'd be like, oh no. She's not actually reading it. She's trying to fake us all out. Come on, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Fire, fire, fire. They just watched Sarah Lucina play the game. And I think that because of that, you're going to see a more aggressive style. That's the one I think is evil. No offense to him, but like, you're not a 10. There's got to be a reason you're here that makes you interesting, that makes you different. If he has me fooled, I'll give him my vote today. This place is fucking cursed!